and welcome back to Because We Can't Go on a Trip, a mini series by the Hope Venture. I'm your host, Ben. And I'm Caleb. And on this podcast, we'll be interviewing people who have gone on a trip to Kenya because this year we can't go on a trip. So today on the podcast, we have our good friend, Hunter Miller. Welcome, Hunter. Woo! Thank you for having me. So happy to be here with you both. <laughs> Hunter uh, is a friend of the pod, friend of the podcast, friend of the Hope Venture, friend of the pod. a personal <laughs> friend of myself and Caleb. Hunter is my roommate. Um, Caleb, you've known Hunter for a while now. Yeah. Uh, he was friends with my older brother in seventh grade. And since then, you know, also still been friends with him. No so way. yeah, it's wild. It's been a while. Uh, so Hunter is a grad student at the University of Nebraska Lincoln, working on his doctorate, Dr. Miller in the house. Well, not yet, just Master Miller right now. I feel uh, like <laughs> I want to do sound effects to everything you're saying, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Miller. <laughs> um, so Hunter has joined us on a lot of trips with the Hope Venture. Um, Hunter, tell us about your experiences coming to Kenya. Just all of them? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I guess no, give us, give us like, like a synopsis, yeah. like a, a summary. What, what has been your experience with Kenya and Hope Venture in a summary? Well, the first year, I think I've gone on four trips. This year would have been five, but, you know, there's the future, hopefully. Uh, the first trip, we each year we've grown. The first trip, there were maybe twenty students. I don't, I don't know for sure. You guys probably have the numbers on that. But we met inside the house um, where the team stayed. Um, but the trip has grown so much that on the most recent one, the house where we had the whole conference the first year was not big enough to hold even our team. <laughs> um, so since then it's doubled and doubled again and yeah it's been an interesting time each year just comparing you don't want to go into them looking to compare to previous years but you always kind of wind up doing that one way or another but I think there's been they've all been so different just because yeah. at first it was I mean this last year felt like summer camp or as close to summer camp as I've <laughs> ever been to in Kenya. Um, but the first year was not like that. It was much smaller, much more like <clears throat> you're meeting, <clears throat> excuse me, like you're meeting a couple friends or <laughs> have some old friends, meeting some new friends and hanging out for a week. Whereas this past year it was, um, much more focused on I guess counselors team leaders whatever you want to call them we're more focused on their their team members as opposed to the first year it was like well I'll just get to know everybody because <laughs> they're all right here in this room with me and there's 10 of them <laughs> yeah so but, like saying that this most recent year there's a lot more structure that made it feel like campus maybe you knew it as like a, a middle schooler or a high schooler or like some structure compared to just going and checking in with students who are sponsored or is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, I think more structure for sure. I'm not always, I'm not always keen to all the behind the scenes info, but I think this last year felt like less, less improvising than, <laughs> than the first year. 
which is probably a good thing when there's, yeah, just the logistics of working with a bigger group are quite a bit different. Yeah, I, I feel like I resonate with that. Like last year was my first time going to, to Kenya. So you've been four times, you've seen it grow, but I came in, I've just heard of it growing throughout the years. And then I came in last year and uh, I grew up going to Maranatha camp in uh, Nebraska. And um, I felt like it was like pretty similar. Like even Ben, you run the games and stuff and we're in Kenya, like, at this uh, kind of small like campus grounds area uh, at this old Bible or Bible college where all the high school students come and visit or whatever, but we're playing like the exact same games I played at Maranatha and just being, you know, putting pantyhose on our heads with tennis balls in them and slinging them around. And that's, it just felt like, Oh wow, this is like a legit summer camp. Mm. And, I think I heard of it. I mean, my mom started the Hope Venture and it's been so grassroots. Like how, how has a full-fledged summer camp taken place actually in Kenya? And Hunter, you've like been a part of, I mean, like kind of building that. Like you said, there was maybe 20 or so people at the start and just in a house and like a living room. And uh, yeah, that's, that's super, that's super interesting. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy how like, our own our own experiences or our own like our own memories like influencing the way we run the camp now too which is kind of wild just that uh high schoolers are high schoolers to some degree and mm. like the connections that we i don't know it's, it's not like we're it's definitely very different than an american summer camp yeah but i mean that's really clear culture wise and the the flow of it all but also like all these kind of wild similarities and yeah just I mean, there's a lot of like differentiating that to the culture and a lot of changing things. It's not the exact same as an American summer camp, but um, it's kind of crazy how that idea is. I mean, and all of us kind of went to some of those camps together in middle school yeah. too. So it's just kind of crazy how, I don't know, as, as we like grow up and travel overseas and do similar things, like our own stories, our own experiences, like help us now connect with, with the whole venture there, you know? Yeah. Hunter, what it like, what are ways that you've seen uh like american influence or like your story or uh like the ways that like the camp is shaped kind of to look it it has some influence from like the hope venture team and what are ways you like the camp is really heavily influenced by like the nasha uh nasha when i say nasha nasha is the organization that the hope venture partners with for the student sponsorship project so the camp is run it's co-managed by the hope venture and nasha working together so all the small groups are co-led Kenyans and Americans together. The speaking is done Kenyans and Americans, but like, what are, what are things that you think of when you think of Hope Venture Camp Hunter? Like what's like, that's so Kenyan. And then what are things you're like, that's pretty American. <laughs> I think <laughs> the, the songs, the musical worship time is, is so Kenyan. I, I guess maybe though, on second thought, it's so camp. But it's so Kenyan camp. Like, going to Maranatha and worship there is crazy. You're jumping around all the time. But I don't think it was like, <laughs> I don't think it was like how it is in Kenya. Um, <clears throat> just the energy, the the physicality of it <laughs> is. <clears throat> You're working up a sweat, for sure. Yeah, there were, I remember a couple, must have been the 
second year, I think, we were in we were in a big big orange and blue circus tent looking thing that they that they put up for the for the the camp. And I remember we were doing a big building project during the day and then at night we would go and I don't know where the energy comes from, but James, Cha Cha or whoever was leading worship is yeah, having us jump as high as we can, having us doing deep squats in the middle of worship. Um and it was I mean, yeah, at the end of a long day, it's like, well, I guess this is what we're doing, though, so I'm <laughs> also songs, we're going for it. Songs like in Swahili, in English, and oh, yeah. like motions, and like that, that whole kind of camp vibe, but somehow like all the students in the room know everything already, and yeah, um, everyone knows all the dances, too. <laughs> there would be like things that don't even look like a, a, a coordinated dance to me and then somehow everyone's everyone's <laughs> on the same page and just <laughs> just doing it all um also be, it's all songs we don't know but then all of a sudden they'll they're they're doing it and they're all doing it off of one keyboard with like track drum beats in the background <laughs> and suddenly it cuts into like a like a weird like caribbean kind of rhythm boom, boom. It somehow is like uh like mighty to save or something like that or lord, lord i lift your name on high and you're like it's the 90s but it's caribbean 90s <laughs> and the song goes for 15 minutes, 15 minutes this, yeah. this, that time. Uh, um oh that made me your question caleb made me think about shy shy breaks too and like yeah little pieces of their culture that like like their their daily life kind yeah. of rhythms i guess hunter can you tell us about like daily life rhythm i mean maybe just tell us about shy breaks or or some of those aspects of taking our american view of camp over there yeah that's i think chai is <laughs> very representative or feels central to kenyan culture in many ways um but yeah two or three times a day I don't know if there, if it was <laughs> rock solid, but someone seemed to know they, maybe they just start bringing out a couple times a day, you stop what you're doing <clears throat> and you get a mug and fill it with chai, which is tea made with milk and watered down a little bit. And is, I think I've heard people say it's not the most flavorful. I find it very comforting. It's a glass of warm milk a couple times a day. It's like, well, it kind of makes me think it's nap time, but so that doesn't work too well when it's, when it's building project time, but yeah, just a couple times a day, you stop, you get a biscuit or a cookie, or you get three pieces of bread with butter in between them all sandwiched together and you stop what you're doing and everyone stands around for 10, 15 minutes and you chat and yeah. you have chai and then afterwards you go back to what you were doing before and it's sort of when you when you stop, you stop like there's nothing else going on mm -hmm. and then you go back to what you're doing before almost like you never stopped. <laughs> In the middle of whatever it is. I'm digging yeah. a hole. I don't finish digging the hole. It's chai time. I stop halfway through and set down my shovel and go take chai with everybody else yeah it's what you got caleb i was gonna say there's 
there, there's always like the time for chai. Like there's always, there's always time to not just have the, like they don't rush chai. Once you, once it's chai time, like however long you're standing there drinking your chai, like you, you break for that long. And I was laughing when you were talking about it, like being like kind of a, like warm milk watered down and it's like a comforting, like maybe makes you feel like nap time contradicting or like comparing that to like American camp. I feel like I think of like mellow yellow and like just energy drinks and like the difference in what you're doing, like giving the kids, like you're trying to just keep them going, 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 going Mm -hmm. versus like stopping and just like no game planned, no like entertainment, just like people having chai together. Yeah. Which I think also has led to, like frustrations of like cultures not meshing like American culture, like let's get as much done as possible and how many things can I cram in before the deadline and I need to work and work and work. And when I'm done, I can sleep and then wake up and work again versus from what we've experienced there. It feels like a lot more. I have a couple of things I know I need to get done in the next couple of days. And whenever I, as long as I get them done three days from now, whatever order that takes or looks like um, that's like how I get things done. Like the pace feels slower and less deadline based slash less achievement based. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think chai feels like that too. And, and as we're like running a camp, we're very deadline deadline, like time to move on to the next thing. Or, you know, we've got this at this time, this at this time, this at this time to create that structure uh and and they don't always feel that same structure as us but then there's like a meeting in the middle like there's a i don't know it's uh kind of refreshing i think um especially just yeah what you guys were saying taking chai and taking a break from what you're doing and that the goal at hand will get done i don't need to freak out about it i don't need to stress about it i can take a break and breathe and drink some comforting chai Um, yeah i Go ahead. Go ahead, Hunter. Just to to add on to that, I think that's a huge part of the, the, I don't know, the cultural difference between the U.S. and Kenya is just the pace of things. And the, it feels like there's, yeah, like you were saying, there's, there's time for chai because we're going to make time for chai. Or I think I've heard people say before, like, uh, like, oh, I was, people in Kenya say, oh, I was going to meet someone at this time, but then on the way there, like, saw someone when I was walking along the way. So then we stopped and chatted for, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe yeah. <laughs> longer. And there's, yeah, it's hard because I think sometimes that <clears throat> creates a time crunch when when you're trying to stick to the schedule, but it also creates a place where it's, where, I don't know, sometimes where it feels like you value people more than your productivity or more than your schedule. Um, Sometimes those two come into conflict when you're going to meet someone and you run into someone else. But, But I think that's, yeah, definitely shapes the, the environment the camp happens in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I have a story I'd like to share that pulls away from this a little bit, if that's okay with you guys. Um, but memory of Hunter in Kenya um, was my first trip to Kenya. 
and hopefully this is a glimpse into some of what the trip is like, but we schedule in um, house visits and house stays with, with students that are sponsored where um, the team splits up and we send a couple people to different houses to be with the students and their families for a night, an evening and a night and, and then a morning. Um, and I think there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of really great things about that, whether that's like experiencing some more of the culture and, and, you know, learning how to be a guest and not be uncomfortable and being a guest and for the students to be able to feel like they're hosting us. I think that's really exciting for them and their families. And, um, it feels like there's like a deep community and friendship between us when we do that. And we, we share meals with their families and sleep, sleep with them. And, you know, I think that's a really sweet thing that we do. Um, but my first, well, one of my memories of Hunter on the trip was um, Hunter and I and Josh went and had a house visit at a student named Brian's house. And uh, if you remember seeing the the student sponsorship video of Brian, maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. If you haven't, go check out the Hope Ventures YouTube or Facebook page. I'm sure you can find it around there. Um, that was created while Hunter, Josh, and I were were visiting Brian and his family. I think it's getting posted on Instagram today too, so oh, it'll cool. be on the top of the feed. Sweet. Okay, go check out the Instagram if you're if you're listening to this um, soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to the published date of the podcast. Um, but so there's this awesome experience of being with Brian and his family and their little like compound that they have like housewise. They have it kind of all fenced in. Um, with their house and some outbuildings where him and his extended family live. Um, but that night there was, we brought two twin beds ourselves um, and put them on the floor. And it was the three of us all sleeping uh, on the living room floor of, of Brian's house. Um, I mean, there was like two, two rooms in the whole house. Um, so we had one of the rooms, which was awesome. But um, as the night went on, I think, Hunter was on one side of me and Josh was on the other side and I was like in the middle we pushed them together to make like a double bed um, but as the night gradually went on the two beds slowly slid further and further apart and I slowly slid all the way down to the ground and, <laughs> and it got a little chilly too so luckily I was able to like hop up onto the bed and I don't remember I think I chose Josh I'm sorry Hunter it might have been Josh I think I snuggled a bit with Josh to stay warm but then it like Four in the morning, before even the sun was up, the rooster thought the sun was up, as did the donkey. And so <laughs> Hunter and I are just awoken at four in the morning by the sound of a very squeaky door, a.k.a. a donkey, and, uh, and the rooster. So anyway, I, that was a very fond memory of mine, uh, you and me, Hunter, at Brian's house. Um, I don't know if you have any memories of, of being with Brian, but... Um, that is a fun memory. <laughs> I, yeah, I think I have, I don't know if it was that year or the year before I went to Brian's house a couple years in a row. Um, and yeah, I think it was the year before. Um, yeah, there were some connections between the two years. The first year we went in the evening, we were, I think Brian just, <laughs> gave us a short sermon from Genesis <laughs> sort of as the, the evening. I, I don't know. The whole family was together. So Brian shared with us from like he's, Bible. A, he's a junior or like a sophomore in high school at the time. And just like, yeah, I think, I think a junior. <laughs> yeah. And just 
shared something with us and then I think he led us in a song or two and then he had some some younger nieces and nephews um that were that were around and between I think yeah between myself and Victoria and don't remember there were a couple others there but we taught them the Macarena a classic <laughs> classic American dance. So he's, he shared he shared the, the the word with you and some some <laughs> led you in some songs and then you guys stood up and shared the macarena. The macarena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, what a spiritual experience. Yeah, I don't want to be don't want to be too transactional, but yeah. just yeah. wanted to well, offer we got them this. something in yeah. exchange. <laughs> yeah. But then the next year when we went back. Ryan's family, as they still live there, they came back. The nieces, the nephews, they were showing us a dance, and it was the Macarena. <laughs> <That's so laughs> cool. let, let us teach you this dance. Yeah, yeah. we thought, oh, sweet. We're learning, learning some Maasai dance that the children know, and it was the Macarena. We started It remembered... They had practiced. Yeah, they were. <laughs> That's beautiful. That's, That's awesome. amazing. <laughs> um, briefly, I think we're going to start heading into, into eventually wrapping up the show here. I don't know. It's a, it's a lovely conversation. I don't want it to end. But we had one question we wanted to make sure we asked you, which was, what do you think like four years or four trips, like what you experienced after trip four versus maybe your your thoughts on Kenya and student sponsorship after year one, um, like first time taking a trip, maybe with the Hope Venture that first year, how do you feel like your ideas or, or concepts of of traveling to Kenya or the Hope Venture or different cultures, do you have anything that sticks out to you as maybe ways that your viewpoints have changed or matured after experiencing a little more? Yeah, as it's been like a rhythm for you for the last like mm. you know the last four years now this would be the fifth year like how that's shaped you yeah that's a good question i think i think after the after the first year i was probably on some sort of emotional spiritual high much as many are at the end of an American summer camp. Um, or a mission, just any sort of like yeah, trip any, overseas. Any sort of, yeah. yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, and I think I was encouraged and wanted to continue being a part of what's going on in Kenya or just kind of assumed that I would as I'm, <laughs> as I was friends with Josh and figured he'd be leading trips in the future. Um, and I think over time, it's, I think I've seen it more and more come together in my mind for the project that it is, like the ongoing thing that it is, mm -hmm. that it's not a, like that the students are there, that Nasha is there all the time, and that um, also that they're just students, like they're, they're facing unique 
unique situations to what I faced in high school, but they're also facing high school situations. And when I'm here, they're in classes, not right now, but they're at class. They're like in clubs with their friends. They're trying to study for their exams for the end of the year. Um, and like when I come back here, life goes on there for the individuals and the work of the project continues between NASHA and the Hope Venture. I think that's evidenced by the large jumps each year in, mm -hmm. in sponsored students. Um, yeah, so I think it's, it's come together more in my head of like, maybe it's just a different perspective on what our week and a half, two weeks, three weeks there is mm -hmm. in regard to this bigger thing that's going on um, that hmm, maybe not to not to belittle or discount our time there but maybe even to appreciate it more that it's a part of this bigger thing that it's not just summer camp that we're going and doing but it's summer camp with these sponsor students with these graduates like when mm -hmm. last year 20, 30 some high school graduates, people who had progressed through through the sponsorship program, came back to to the camp to see one another, to see us. And yeah, sort of in many ways led themselves. Or we didn't I don't know that we quite had the the manpower allocated to to lead their groups or to offer all the things that we had for the still sponsored students, but they were stepping in, they were helping with the projects, they were leading themselves in their own group discussions and things. Um, yeah, they, and I think they were back in part because they'd enjoyed the camp in the past, but also because that was, I mean, the impact that NASHA and <coughs> through NASHA Hope Venture and individuals and families here contributing to their education because of the impact that had, they came back and yeah. Do you, do you think that like, uh, as you're talking, I'm thinking that maybe from your first experience going to Kenya, it was like this thing you went and did. And then like, as you're, as the four, as you've done it year after year, it's become like more something you like, as you live your life here in Lincoln, it's a part of you. Like it's become more just like something you carry with you as you, or it affect, it's a lens now that you see the world through you, you remember they're kind of, it's meshed into more of like your everyday life. Is that, do you think it's changed like in that way? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. I don't know if that's exactly what I was saying, but I think I, I agree with those feelings. Um, I don't know if I got there, but you got there. Um, <laughs> Touchdown. I took you, I took you home. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's pretty <clears throat> spot on. And it, it again goes through, it's not always the same. It's not that every day I 
think of Kenya and long to return, mm. but it's that something happens and it reminds me of Kenya mm-hmm. or it reminds me of, of Duncan or Ian, two of the guys that are, that have been interns with NASHA in the past and who have been um, important, an important part of my experiences there and an important part of the camp. Um, yeah, I think it, it definitely is, is like you said, shapes the lens that I, that I'm seeing things through, mm-hmm. whether it's, um, like money and just the differences between between my resources here and what what money how far a dollar goes here versus there or or education like here I think <clears throat> maybe less so now but when I was in high school I think I saw education as kind of a felt more like a thorn than than a blessing to me (laughs) felt more like something that I was just kind of had to do and I know that that opinion is that that's not the view that everyone has of education that's a privileged view um, related to my own background but to see yeah I think that view has been shaped by my time in Kenya seeing what it means to have the opportunity to go to high school Mm -hmm. in a place where that's not an automatic, where it's not offered to you. It's, it's offered at a price, um, a monetary price, not just your time. Yeah. But yeah. And seeing how just like eager Kenyan students are for their education and how thank how like the gratitude they have for the education that, that they're getting and even some of them like 20 23 years old you know and at a like a junior in high school because they they didn't have the funds for the for the six years you know or what several years that it would have been they should have been in school you know but they're still like now so thankful that finally i can get to go and that's it's yeah that's different than the way when when education is just a, a given it's it's easier to take it for granted yeah, I think <clears throat> I was just remembering too. I think what you were saying, Caleb, just a different perspective. Students are also seeing see their education as a maybe not a ticket out, but a, a way a way into a better life for not just themselves but for their families. And I think that's a huge part of their motivation is not. I don't know that I've, yeah, it's not individual. It's not individualistic. It's about my parents or my grandma or my younger siblings. Um, And I think we've, yeah, like a couple, couple years ago, um, maybe this last year, Abraham, um, not the first Abraham, that was sponsored but but another abraham um came and talked to me and asked if i knew anyone who would who would sponsor his sister mercy um and i did not off the top of my head have a hope venture donor (laughs) waiting waiting looking for a student to sponsor um but 
then later on in the summer after coming back yeah must have been same summer um was thinking and mulling over how how that could happen or um just had yeah abraham coming and talked talking to me stuck out in my memory just as that's like a i don't know i was stricken by his care for his sister and also his yeah the hope that he has in education um and then later that summer i was cutting my hair and what caleb and ben uh i Yes, that's, I, a, that's a big difference from year one for you of, of the camp and, and now yeah, I post year four. Yeah, tell us about that difference in your hair. Um, I had, I guess, yeah, from the first time I went to Kenya, I had dreadlocks. Um, <laughs> and now I do not. Yeah, now, now, you've got I, <laughs> <laughs> now, now we're looking at clean, clean cut Hunter, uh, but he just recently got frosted tips, so... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he's filing through every haircut yep, possible yep next up yeah. bowl, bowl cut and mm -hmm. uh, we'll see what happens anyway <laughs> so you were cutting your hair which is significant because they were very long dreadlocks um They've, but also explain um yeah they were quite long it had been five years since i'd cut my hair five years and change they were um, we should say they were clean they were clean dreadlocks i have a couple in my room still so <laughs> as, as do I. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um but so i thought with cutting my dreadlocks it's been five years this is in some ways a momentous occasion how many things something happens once every five years you probably gotta do it big or do something um and figured uh, of all the the causes I'm tied to, which may not be too many, the Hope Venture is one that's near and dear to me, um, and specifically the student sponsorship program. Um, so I started started along with uh, one of Caleb's friends, and perhaps a friend of my own, Ezra. He was also planning to cut his dreadlocks um, and to donate proceeds to the India projects um <clears throat> but started planning about how to do this and how to raise money with it i think <laughs> if i remember correctly i think caleb and caleb and jill it was on the hen's boat caleb and jill were dreaming far bigger than i i was thinking <laughs> this would be great if i can cut my hair and raise like raise enough money to sponsor a student for a year that would be incredible which is a, 50 bucks a month so 600 dollars, right Math. yeah i was thinking that would be that would be amazing and i think i remember talking with caleb and jill i hadn't hadn't thrown out my idea that sponsoring for a year would be great and they and they were saying oh yeah we could probably get someone for all of high school twenty four hundred dollars <laughs> you just threw up in your mouth a little bit <laughs> I, I thought i don't <laughs> i don't know what hair you guys are looking at it's <laughs> worth that much no we really want it to get cut you know <laughs> so yeah between started offering made a facebook event started having people 
people could pre-order. They could cut off whatever dread they wanted at whatever length they wanted, and I would have to walk around like that for a while. I think I was going around for, I don't know, two or three weeks at least with only got like seven or eight cut early. People weren't that into the early idea, but seven or eight off the top is enough to look a little bit silly. Some antenna. <laughs> yeah, yeah, some antenna sticking up. Yeah, they don't really, when they're long and heavy, they sit down like normal hair maybe, but when they're short, they just, there's a lot of tension in there. <laughs> Spikes up a little bit. Yeah, but then getting to the point, <laughs> we had had a big fundraising fundraising final event um people yeah throughout throughout money to come cut a dread had some fun options for cutting someone tried to use some some tree trimmers i think a couple <laughs> people just cut them with a with a chef's knife that i brought um and then partway through we were running out of buyers and i think my friend carter stood up and said how much do we have to give to shave your head <laughs> and that was the start of that was the start of another phase then Caleb and Cincy were running around they were auctioneers they were pointing people out they were taking down numbers of who's going to donate what and then shortly thereafter my mom much to her gratitude got to shave my head <laughs> <laughs> and we raised $2,400 and Abraham Woo! who spoke to me about his sister his sister Mercy is now sponsored by the hope venture and your hair and my hair wow <laughs> that's amazing that's beautiful huh. <clears throat> that's a good story everything yeah that is a good story everything coming back together wow that's really sweet also we got to go say what up to mercy next year we'll be there this would have been the first year that you like you would be unrecognizable in kenya right now oh. i mean the only year you've never been to kenya without dreads yeah can't say hey, hey rasta anymore no the the name would not be fitting i would probably get much hey, fewer justin timberlake yeah frosted, frosted <laughs> hey frosta hey, um hunter caleb had to close out the show here um caleb had a, a little surprise that he found and, and we wanted to to run by you so yeah i'll pass I, the mic to him so <clears throat> this uh it might be a little bit of a funny idea but i so whenever we go to Kenya, we have people, everybody, all the counselors interview uh, uh, different students and they kind of write their story out. So Hunter, last year, he wrote Peter's uh, story, one of the students that was in his small group. And I'm going to read like a, I'm going to read a paragraph of that. And because I think it is really beautiful. And I think it maybe will just like bring up some conversation that we can close out with or just like hear kind of like your heart behind what you were writing, I think. But so those listening can just like sit back and enjoy a paragraph. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then Hunter, you could yeah share us with us what, uh, or I guess we could, we could have you read it if you want to, if we were, we're kind of surprising you with this, but we uh, could, I say you read it, Caleb. All right. I'll let, let Hunter listen to his own words. Okay. He'll be humbled. Yeah. So, uh, all right. This is from Peter's story. You can check out Peter's story on the hope ventures blog actually but the faint glow on the horizon it is a glimpse of the goodness that sustains us through the end of the night it is a cup of chai offered to anyone who enters your house as a guest it is a passerby offering their time and strength to help a struggling stranger it is a heaping plate of food for the child who was walking past your front gate during lunch 
It is water where once the ground cracked and cried out for a drink and people marched for miles to fill heavy canteens. It is 130 high school students and graduates gathering at camp to celebrate God's provision and love for them. This glow is for now held at bay on the edge of the horizon by poverty, corruption, broken families, addiction, the darkness that blankets the beautiful people and land of Kenya. Though this darkness and confusion endure, God is bringing about redemption as a faint glow spreading out into the world. Like the dawn, it crawls along so slowly we barely perceive its motion. But the glimpses of his goodness, however brief they may be, assure us morning is coming. We, we read that uh, a little bit ago before the, we started the podcast and Ben was, ben was in tears. I teared up a little bit. <laughs> it was but it's so really, good. It's so beautiful. What, like, what, what, like, what, do you, what were your thoughts in writing that? And could you give just any sort of like background of what your heart is in that? Yeah, I think those, the, the little examples that I mentioned in there, like the cup of chai or the food or the stranger walking by. I think those are all, those are all moments that I've seen in Kenya. Those aren't hypotheticals. Those are like the first year we're building a playground. And at the end of the day, there are at least four or five people that are working with us that aren't students, that aren't Americans, that aren't Kenyan counselors. They're people from Narok who came to help <laughs> or yeah the we do the soccer camp every year and so there are, <clears throat> there are elementary and middle school age students who come for that um, and they happen to be be there over lunchtime and so max who is <clears throat> max fixes any <laughs> any problems while we're there at camp and he makes helps make the food, he helps keep everything running along um, smoothly. But he, yeah, got food for them um, so that they could have lunch. Um, there's- You talked about the, um, the ground being cracked and crying out for a drink. And one year while you were at camp, there was a really bad drought, right? Yes, there, yeah, that must've been, yeah, the second, second year when we were building the the outdoor classroom space yeah there was there was a drought going on and in the lead up to the trip <clears throat> we'd been praying that it wouldn't rain not knowing that there was a drought going on but praying that it wouldn't rain because we're doing this building project and if it rains at any point we're gonna have to stop working and i think we found out midway through the project that we were in a little more over our heads than we had initially thought. Um, and throughout the week, there were days, clouds would roll in, clouds would roll out, no rain. We were able to keep working and we ended up finishing, <laughs> finishing about, I think on the day we were leaving. I think we finished and a half hour later, we debriefed in the outdoor classroom. And as we were packing up the vans to leave, um, it started to rain um, because they, yeah, they shared with us while we were there that they were in a drought and that the crops are are hurting and that people are hurting because of that. And so then we were praying for rain and praying that we could finish finish this building project. Um, 
and yeah, then it all happened in perfect timing. And, <laughs> and I think that was, that was also when I was writing that, I was also thinking of, um, uh, the well, the, not the well, but the water project in Electricat. Yeah. 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 About the, the land there that can be irrigated and can be used for growing food where previously they were not able to do so. And where people were, I think Caleb, you had some, some hands-on experience with it this last year where people were walking to the river carrying canteens on their heads or yeah i mean (laughs) i don't know how heavy they were but or how many gallons the little the jugs the like jerry cans they had but i saw kids come to the to the well to get water for their family and i tried to put the i tried to carry the jug and thought it'd be easy because there was like 10 year old like girls carrying it and i my head like veins were popping out of my face in places i didn't know i had veins and it was not not pleasant at all i was very surprised by how heavy it was um yeah i think i think something i just wanted to try and capture try and write about in that was that there's this crazy coming together of tragedy and of beauty and hospitality and corruption and these things in Kenya that feel like hmm, sometimes it feels so tragic like how could there be any good in it and sometimes it feels so good that it's that I think how could there be any any tragedy here Um, but all those things are mixed up together and in amongst that the student sponsorship project is growing and a well project is developing and um yeah people are yeah yeah there are these little little things that are are good and there are individual lives and families lives that are that are changing and growing and um yeah that are they feel like they're moving towards <laughs> towards redemption um and i don't know how that all works sometimes it feels like <laughs> i guess maybe between summers you go one year and there's 40 kids and the next year there's 80 and it feels like in snap snap of the fingers the project doubled <laughs> but that's just because i don't see what's going on all the time um <clears throat> yeah it's it's a wonderful place and there are many things that there are many memories I hold from the trips that are dear to me and things that I want to to emulate here as I can or however they fit into our own culture especially the the ideas of hospitality and friendship it just yeah feels like And I, I know it's strange or it's different maybe because we're Americans coming to visit, but it, there's, I don't know, there's an, an attitude of, of care for the stranger and 
I think that's a, a really beautiful thing that I've been been privileged to see in in my times there. Well, <laughs> I don't know if we can wrap it up better than that. <laughs> Dude, uh, thanks for being on the podcast today. And thanks for sharing those thoughts. Um, I figured maybe we could close it out with a little blessing or benediction from from your words there, Hunter. So I thought maybe just reading the final two sentences of, of Peter's story. Um, yeah, Caleb, do you good. have any more thoughts? No, Hunter, thanks for all your thoughts. Thanks for flying uh, flying without much preparation here and <laughs> <laughs> getting surprised with us sharing your <laughs> writing and everything. So yeah. Thanks, for, being our thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. All right. So from Hunter's writing, God is bringing about redemption as a faint glow spreading out into the world. Like the dawn, it crawls along so slowly, we barely perceive its motion. But the glimpses of his goodness, however brief they may be, assure us morning is coming. Hunter. Thanks, man. Signing off for the podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Caleb. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>